You're listening to the OHL in 60 podcast. I'm Reese Demaney along with Colin Ward. We are back and ready to go. A lot to get through. Um, so let's let's get right into it here. Um, yeah, I mean, where do we start, Colin? There was so much that went on. Coaching change in Niagara again. Uh, line yeah. brawl in Niagara. Um, a spear in the spear. gym of the Twins. Yeah. Oshawa. Yeah. A five goal comeback in Oshawa. Geez, we're really yeah. on only two teams right now or two. Buy or right sell. Um, Buy or sell. Um, yeah. yeah. Right. It's, uh, you know what? I think next week, December, maybe in a couple of weeks, actually, middle, December, about a month of the deadline, we do our buy or sell segment like we did last year. Go through each team, see who buys, who sells them now with yeah. a month to the go in the deadline. I can't believe we're already talking about that, but another, I know. Another yeah. one. Yeah, no, let's let's for sure schedule that. Away. Twenty, yeah. yeah, twenty days will be a month away. Yeah, no, we'll uh, yeah. we'll we'll schedule that up. It should be fun. Um, yeah. but yeah, it's wild. We're already speaking. It's November twenty first. Like, yeah, wow. I mean, thank God, closer to summer. Um, yeah. getting closer and closer to the summer months again. But um, yeah, still a lot of OHL to go this season. Uh, this show, of course, we'll touch on thoughts on the weekend, and there are quite a few headlines that. Uh, that we'll go through. Um, that includes the players of the week, player and goaltender of the week. Uh, pretty cool interview coming up in segment number two. The man who wrote Pete 101, Nick yeah. Caravaggio, going to join us in segment number two. That's going to be that's going to be a pretty fun conversation. As of course they're coming off an OHL championship. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see about his um, about his story with the weekend as well. What he thought of that weekend. Yeah. And you're playing Oshawa. Um, Oshawa, that's going to be tough, right? One game on the weekend, and it's a Sunday, but still. At two, four yeah. hours early. Yeah. You already know my opinion on Oshawa. There's going to be nights that are going to look really good, but then there's going to be nights where they just look terrible up front. Um, there's times where I watch them play, and their forwards just look lazy. Kind of saw but, both of that on Sunday. Yeah, you saw the <laughs> tail. Yeah, you saw the tail of two halves there. Yeah. Um, you saw them look really good at the start, and then you saw them just look lazy. Like the overtime goal, the back check by the one forward was like, there's no effort there at all. Yeah. Like I don't care what people have to come at me about with that. I don't care. Um, just watch those tape. You can't say there was an effort there. Um, that's tough in overtime. That's an embarrassment. But hey, they got a big weekend this weekend too with Ottawa and then Sudbury on Sunday. Yeah. Oshawa, that's a big one. Um. North Bay, North Bay is getting hot as well, which is crazy. Um, two teams, eh? North Bay and Peterborough. Um, yeah, funny. Right? North Bay is always there. That draft, and that's what's fun about North Bay, right? We talked about that draft getting Ty Nelson, Wakeley. Um, how big, how crucial having a draft is for your long term success. Obviously, that sounds cliche, but when you think about it, North Bay, right? That 2020 draft was lights out no team had a better draft in 2020 than the north bay battalion yeah and look how crucial that's been for them um adam dennis loading up north bay took their hits right they took their hits so i just gotta give a shout out to north bay battalion they played great um and they're a fun team to watch i mean they're minus one on the goal differential which is interesting to be second place in the east but the whole eastern conference for that matter is just a gong show like the eastern Mm -hmm. conference if you're in eighth place right now you're Honestly, you could think about fin- being second by the Christmas break. Like you could literally be there um, in the East. Like it's that close. Um, anything can happen, but definitely a fun week. And um, yeah, it's going to be fun to see what uh, 
Nick has to think about the weekend. I got to ask him about that. I want to make sure we get that question out for him about uh, what he thinks of uh, the game on Sunday. Because I'm sure from the Peterborough side, they got to be pretty pumped. And Donovan McCoy, second overtime winner. Eh? McCoy yeah. doesn't score a lot of goals, defensive defenseman. But hey, when he does, they're big ones. I love that tweet. I think it was the uh, Pete's that tweeted that out. Um, he doesn't score often, but when he does, they're overtime game winners, which is an incredible tweet, especially when Oshawa talks all the nonsense on Twitter. Um, it was kind of nice to see, you know, get that last laugh, but well, definitely, um, there's a target there. Well, Terry Doyle said it perfectly. They were, who'd they chirp last year? Was it Windsor? Niagara. Niagara, Niagara Win- last year, Win- and then they went in, on a losing streak. And then this year it was Windsor, and they blew a 5 nothing lead. I enjoyed that tweet. That was pretty good from Terry Doyle. Yeah. So. Um, and I mean, let, let's stick with the Pete's call and might as well, might as well get to this right off the hop. Uh, Donovan McCoy taking home OHL player of the week. Um, two goals, five assists. He had seven points over three games for the Peterborough Pete's, um, who are at the top of the Eastern conference standings. So, um, that just shows you how big, not only the weekend was for Peterborough, but for McCoy himself, uh, including, um, that game winner so that uh that was pretty cool for him uh goaltender of the week we're gonna go to owen sound carter george takes home the honor this week he was two and oh with a goals against average of one save percentage of 966 one of those victories for him included a shutout so carter george ohl goaltender of the week donovan mccoy takes home player of the week um Go ahead, speaking, of goal, speaking of goaltender, I just want to give a shout out to Brett Brochu making his East Coast debut. He got a 42 save win. They won 3 1 Fort Wayne. Um, 42 save and 42 saves in his debut. Uh, Brett Brochu, a show guest. So, uh, congrats to Brett. That's cool. Finally, you know, he's paid his dues, right? And it makes sense. Yeah. It makes sense how he gets his East Coast Hockey League debut. Um, having to pay his dues like that from going from junior C to the OHL, winning the OHL starting goalie job for the London Knights like that, working his way onto a world junior team. Um, just incredible story. Brett Brochu is. So um, that definitely uh, makes sense for his debut to go like that. Um, great player, great person. So that's nice to see him uh, have the success early on in his professional hockey league career. Yeah. Yeah. Huge shout out to him. Um, Cause he's had to work for, for everything. Um, yeah, big time for in his career. So congratulations to him because that's uh, that's pretty cool. Um, first headline I want to get to here, Colin. Um, had the pleasure being on the call um, of this contest with Ted Lehman. Um, not the marquee matchup that you're really looking at, the Saginaw Spear visiting the Niagara Ice Dogs. Um, however, it was very interesting to say the least. Um, he was editing the audio on of the game on Saturday night and in real time period number two took an hour and six minutes. Now that includes a line brawl and a lengthy review that included a teddy bear goal as well. So teddy bears. Okay. You can understand that that's usually between 20 and 30 minute delay. Um, but then we're going to start with the brawl here. Um, it was mayhem, to say the least, really. Um, and when referees start to get involved, as in trying to break things up, you know, it's kind of gotten out of hand a little bit. Um, 
and I've, I've been looking at the, the media notes all day for the suspensions and nothing has come up yet. So that's more of a midweek thing probably yeah, after Tuesday. the show has been released. Um, yeah. Cause they play Wednesday Saginaw against Flint. Yeah. So um, definitely there's going to be something to come from it. Um, you know, it was, I guess you could say it was a gong show really um, yeah. just, just what, what had happened was, and I'll outline it for everyone that was unable to watch the game. So in the first period, Zane Parekh scores his seventh of the year. And I mean, he was phenomenal in the first period. He was going to be on my three stars right from the get-go. Um, so he scores to make it 2 nothing with about 4-10, 4-11 left to go in the first period. And does a little bit of a gesture towards the Ice Dogs bench. Now, nothing like, um, you know, derogatory, nothing... That was, you know, he didn't shoot them the bird. Um, it was essentially the come get some, like waving uh-huh. his hand. Um, hey, that's, if, hey. if you call it that, I could be wrong on that. But it was it was odd for a Saginaw Spirit player coming into Niagara. First time they've played each other. Now, it'll be the first time or first of two in the matter of a week. So that'll be a fun trip down to Saginaw. Um, that'll be a fun game for the Ice Dogs next weekend or this weekend. Um, but that's essentially what got it started. And it was 2 nothing Saginaw after one. So teams go to the room, come out for the second. 11 seconds into the second period, uh, my favorite part of the game where the linesmen don't drop the puck. Um, <laughs> Ryan Humphrey on the ice. Zane Parekh was as well. Um, but Ryan Humphrey, you know, Thinks the puck's dropped, linesman blow it dead. Um, he just casually skates by Zane Parekh. Doesn't shove him, doesn't really elbow him, but, you know, just catches a little piece of him to say, hey, what's up? Um, yeah. We didn't appreciate that, too. We didn't appreciate that in the first period. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, well, that's, rule number one, rule number one in, in hockey, you don't look at the opposing, you don't gesture or look at the opposing team's badge yeah. after a goal. You know what that means. Yeah. So, so that, and then I'll, uh, all hell broke loose. Um, you know, the line brawl started. Um, you know, there were multiple players ejected from the game. Um, it was it was madness. Braden Hache being one of them, he got a match penalty. Um, so that was obviously an automatic game misconduct. Um, Joey Willis, a game misconduct as well. Um, Connor Federkow or Federko, sorry. Um, game misconduct, Ryan Humphrey, game misconduct. And the, you know, we're talking about staged fights, the match penalty for, for hash Um, but one thing that really was surprising to me is Zane Parekh did not get a penalty. On this play. <laughs> That's the now, worm. Play. Now, now That's the worm. yeah. So now he's not the one that I don't want to say started it, but he really wasn't. Cause Humpy gave him a little bit of a, little bit of a tap. Um, however, he was very involved in this scrum. And that's where I'm sort of questioning why, I'm, whether he got a game misconduct or not, that's to be decided by the referees, but um, how he didn't at least get a two-minute, because no gloves were really dropped. Um, but, like, it was, I was, it didn't make any sense to me why he wasn't in the penalty box. Um, now, if somebody can provide me an explanation, I would absolutely take that because we weren't really given one. Was he? Um, was he in the fight? Oh yeah, it was him and Humphrey that started it. It was them two. Like that was the first engagement was between Ryan yeah. Humphrey and Zane Parekh. Um, I'll watch and again, it. I'll and watch again, at the break. 
And again, Humphrey was the one that skated over towards him, gave him a little little tap. Uh, however, I, I think something should have came of that. Anyways, so that goes on. Madness, essentially five different fights. Um, you know, guys go to the penalty box. Guys get kicked out. The delay was, what, 20 to 30 minutes? 15, oh. maybe 15 to 30 minutes to try and figure all this out. Now, I understand a lot went on. You know, I could I could see a 10 to 15 minute delay just so the referees make sure they get everything. Um, but that felt way too long for, well, really any delay, to be honest, any review. Um, but that seemed way too long. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's, now there was the tablet involved. So to me, that's them going through every single situation, every single, you know, battle between two guys because i don't really want to consider them fights even though they were um so i could understand a little bit of a delay trying to go through everything go through each individual um skirmish every single fight but that was a long delay and as i mentioned that second period alone took an hour and six minutes of real time um that was way too long um, again, it's going to be interesting to see these two teams do it again this coming weekend, but that was madness. Now, yeah. Saginaw ended up winning the game three to two. Um, Rodwin Dionisio, that, that's funny. Another former ice dog well, comes three. back to haunt them. Three uh, this year, LeBlanc, LeBlanc, Femus, and now uh, Dionisio. Yeah. They've had that three times this year, Niagara. Yeah, so, so of course, that wasn't very enjoyable, but. Um, always a great event, and that's why that's why I always enjoy attending any teddy bear toss game that I can. Really, um, was able to throw three on the ice from the radio booth. I made two of three to the ice from that broadcast booth in Niagara. Um, it's harder than expected. Yeah, that, it is. You got to get the Branford. It'll be easy. Branford. Branford. It'll be easy from the press box. I think. Yeah, I think so. You just drop it. You're basically on the ice. Yeah. Um, Gavin Bryant, show guest, show intern. Letting yeah. the teddy bears fly in Niagara, so that was that was pretty cool. I sent him a text during the game, obviously knowing he wouldn't get it till afterwards. But um, yeah, the teddy bear toss season is underway. Jack Beck getting it done in Sault Ste. Marie, Gavin Bryant doing it in Niagara, which could be our first debate of the night. Colin here, um, November seems a little early for it's got to be after season, the- at least mid November. This weekend, I'm fine with it. This weekend coming, I'm fine with it. It's a month till Christmas on Friday, right? Yeah. So you get a month. I, I'm fine with it on the 20, like the 23rd. I'm fine with it. 23rd, non, I'm fine. It just seems so early. Yeah. Like it's weird. Like it's weird. You go around and all American of a sudden you Thanksgiving hear, oh, it's Christmas. Passed yet. Yeah. Thursday. No, I mean, crazy. Canadian League, but yeah. Yeah. It's just crazy, though, that, um, how that goes. I mean, it's going to be fun on Wednesday having Flint and Saginaw play on the biggest party day of the year in Michigan, in the States for that matter. Yeah. So that's going to, that's going to be uh crazy to see how the crowd is in Flint. So that's exciting. Um, But yeah, it's definitely going to be a, uh, it's interesting. Like that's where I wish they got a lot more help with the off ice officials instead of going right to the tablet. I mean, but then again, in Brantford on Wednesday, we had the officials review the wrong play. Um, so it was a tough week all the way around. Um, constantly. I mean, I honestly, I hate the tablets. Um, I hate the tablets. Just go upstairs, make the call. Problem is 
we got a lot of off-fights officials that possibly aren't qualified, I think. And that's just my opinion on the matter. I mean, we see them firsthand. We're around teams, like, just see it firsthand. But, um, yeah, it's just tough an hour. That's a long time. I mean, it's tough to keep the fans engaged, um, tough to keep the team engaged. Uh, but I thought, like, I honestly, I thought with that whole ruckus area, I was thinking that's just Humphrey being Humphrey. Um, you knew he, you knew he'd, he'd be the guy to step up, and I know I heard um, Ben Boudreaux talk after the game with uh, Brandon Caputo from uh, the Dog Pound podcast there in Niagara, and I like how he said that he actually liked that emotion from his team. I think that's big. I mean, when it's Niagara, it's been a long year already. It's been a long year. Um, you just had a coaching change. It's nice to see that fight there, and you know you're going to get that fight there. You know guys like Gavin. Um, you know Humpy. Um, maybe. Um, in quotes, um, but you know, they're going to have guys, um, stick up for one another that, you know, they have the character there, which is nice, but they have the goaltending too. It's just a weird team, Niagara. It's weird. The wins aren't there, but then again, we saw it firsthand last week. They're the team that they're quick out of their own end, but they're slow back in their own end. Um, and that's a problem. That's a big problem there. But I mean, Hey, both team, both teams had a chance to play their guys, um, and develop, but, uh, most definitely interesting one, and it sucks that it takes so long, but that's where I wish you could get a lot more help from upstairs and yeah. just make the call quick. Just pick them out because you know who's on the ice anyways. Exactly, yeah. Um, And you just mentioned something that we'll quickly get to because it's kind of old news. Um, Niagara making a coaching change, and like I said, we'll quickly touch on this here, Colin. Well, that. Um, Ryan Kuabara out. Ben Boudreaux is the new head coach of the Niagara Ice Dogs. Um. So the consistency still isn't something in Niagara. Um, <laughs> not to say that they've been horrible under Boudreaux so far. Um, you know, they do have a win under their belt that came against the uh, the Barry Colts. But um, just your thoughts on it, Colin, because I know we've talked about it in person together. We've talked about it over um, over the phone, over text. Um, just Just your quick thought here on, that coaching change in Niagara. Well, I truly believe one. I truly believe this is Kuabara saying, "Hey, he, you know where the team is. You don't expect the team." I think that I honestly, I believe management Niagara is way too focused on making the playoffs this year, and that's when these moves start to happen. And by the way, those moves, the two players London got. Yeah, that was. I want to talk about this quickly too, as well. The, yes, it was an overpay, but here's the thing: the two players London got this year were both American players that had that gave up on their college eligibility. That's a lot of money the American exchange. So you can go to London, get the twenty thousand a year um, for your college, um, and you can still get that package plus more that you would be losing. So why not? You got to give up something to get something. It's almost like giving away salary cap in the national hockey league. That's kind of what that move is like. So that's why it was a bit of an overpay. Um, but I truly believe that this starts. That's when this all started. I believe that there was a little bit too much invested by management to go all in and make the playoffs this year. That's not going to happen. No. If you're Kuabara, I think Kuabara's message is, what are we doing here? You see the picks we're giving away, right? You see the picks we're giving away. We're giving away pick after pick after pick. We're giving away seconds, thirds, like it's candy on Halloween. Um, that's something there where you see that and you look where we are in the standings. Why are we doing that? So I think management, it's a business, right? And I think management didn't agree where the coach is going. I truly believe 
Kuabara side of things, if that's the case. And that from it all matters, that's what I've heard. Um, and if that's the case, I mean, Kuabara is absolutely right. I mean, the team's in last place in the Eastern Conference. Um, you're probably not going to make the playoffs already. You're probably eliminated. Um, you need two big weekends. Do you see it? I don't. Um, they need a lot of bounces as well. But I look at the team and I'm thinking, you had the opportunity there. Um, the trade happens. Next thing you know, it turns around. You give away all the picks like it's candy. Um, what do I got to work with, right? Why are like why are we so invested in making the playoffs over development? It's a development league. We're trying to get better. It's not the end all be all here this year um, in Niagara, and that's the same pattern that it's been for the last four or five years now in Niagara. That's the same pattern, yeah. and especially with the new ownership, new management, and stuff. It's always it's been like that the last two years. That's all it's been. Oh, we don't rebuild. We don't rebuild. It's a different philosophy. I believe the coach had a different philosophy than what management had. And at the end of the day, it looks like it. Yeah. Why else would you fire the coach? And also, also when you saw the Boudreaux ad, when you saw the Boudreaux ad, you knew that was going to happen. You knew that was going to happen. And then once they added his, the father, Bruce, when you added Bruce Boudreaux, well, they're not going to make his kid the coach. We know politics all day long. It doesn't matter what sport it is. This has not to... Not to cut it short, but this has a politics written all over it. Once you once you added Bruce Boudreaux as an advisor, what the heck is an advisor role, anyways? What is an advisor man, role? Man, I got the I got the greatest explanation from someone at TSN when I was there about what an advisor is. It 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 is somebody that gives out yeah. advice, whether it's right or wrong, gives See? out advice on how to play the game, no matter what sport. But they never get in trouble for any of the v- advice that's given. Facts. They're Facts. in the background to Facts. analyze. They're in the background yeah. to give their opinion on certain 1, thousand percent. If it works or not, not their problem. It's the guy who's coaching whose fault it is. All I'm going to say is this. The last thing I have to say about this matter. When slash if, if this goes south with Ben Boudreaux, both of them are gone. I guarantee you that. I guarantee that. I know that's why they brought in the father. Um, it makes perfect sense. So we've been around the politics before. Um, and I truly believe that's what it is. You gotta get pe- you gotta get people in seats in Niagara. I mean, quite frankly, this has to be their worst attended crowd of the year. Ha- or attendance on, on any thir- Thursday had. was looked pretty bad on TV. Yeah, Teddy Bear Toss Saturday is different, but it has yeah. to be overall so far throughout a year, it has to be their lowest they've had since being in Niagara. So. Yeah, 100%. So that's my matter. You had to get you had to get butts and seats. Um, they're not. Uh, that's my opinion on the coaching change. That's my opinion on the current coach and the advisor role. It makes like, I mean, it's automatic. Um, I just have a couple things. Reese on the weekend, Del- Luca Delbel Belusa's rights get traded to Saginaw for a conditional 15th round pick if he comes. Um, to Saginaw, that's a 15th. Uh, Takes up a card. It's interesting, but Saginaw. I mean, you definitely had to make a move. Mm-hmm. Um, they've won. They're winners of seven in a row. They haven't lost since I torched them for three straight weeks. So that's good. Uh, bulletin board <laughs> material. You're welcome. Um, you're welcome, Saginaw. They got, you're. They're gonna. You're, everybody's gonna see your face on a bulletin board outside yeah, the Saginaw, spirit dressing room on the next Spirit Rising. Yeah, as long as they put. Yeah, you know what? I'm waiting for that appearance <laughs> on there. I am waiting for our appearance <laughs> on there. I'm just waiting for that because you know it's gonna come eventually. And I know what it's going to be about, um, but that's okay. Hey, 
I want to do that. I want to be like the Ted Lasso of the group now. I want to be moment. I want to be the positive leader for them. I mean, they made me their king. I even got the mustache like Ted Lasso. Um, <laughs> hey, I had the handlebars. I sent you a picture of it. Oh yeah, I got it. Yeah, Liza made me shave it. Um, Why? It looked horrible. It looked bad. It Man, looked bad. that's only another oh. what 10, 11 days. Yeah, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. There's a bald spot between the lip, upper lip. Oh, so it looks so, like you just shaved a part of that and <laughs> made it like three pieces. Oh, geez, yeah. that's that's yeah, tough. it's too patchy. So, yeah. yeah, said that. But um, also, I want to quickly bring this up, Reese. Looking around the league, right? We talk about double blues coming back. There's no way. Sarnia has a ton of OAs, right? And they had to make that move. And it's weird around the league. We see so many teams with so many OAs right now. They're not moving. Then this place crucial for teams with only two OAs, right? Yeah. The value goes down. The value goes down as more guys come back. Um, for for instance, I want to look at North Bay, right? North Bay, Josh Bloom, they own his rights. He has 1.11 games this year with AHL Abbots for Vancouver's AHL team. 1.11 games. That's a candidate to come back this yeah. season in the Ontario Hockey League. There's no way. Um, we'll see if they do that. Francesco Pinelli, get this one, Kitchener. Two points in 12 games this year with the Ontario Reign LA's AHL team. You imagine Francesco Pinelli gets back to Kitchener. If you're LA, you're looking at it. LA's a big OHL guy. Oh, and Rob Blake's big with the (laughs) OHL draft. Yeah. Look at that. Remember they had to kill Thomas Aiden Dudas, like Quentin Byfield? I mean, that's potential. Kitchener's a good team. Um, They're well-structured. They're good defensively. I think that's a good spot. Um for Pinelli to come back. And also, Brett Harrison in Providence with the Bruins, Boston Bruins farm team in the AHL. Interesting, right? Boston has so many good young players um, that are coming up out of college. Uh, it feels like every year Boston has a guy, you see what Potra is doing there, right? But we're I talking about from on fantasy Potra. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're talking about guys coming back, right? Yeah. Potra's probably not, but no. Brett Harrison. Brett Harrison. No one's talking about Brett Harrison. Brett Harrison, an overager. Um, Windsor owns his right, so it's definitely going to be a move. Two points in eight games for Providence. Those three players, man, Penelli, two and 12, Bloom, one and 11, Harrison, two and eight. That's interesting to see as we approach about a month away from deadline, about six weeks away from deadline time. Um, those three players, overagers, you look at the candidates there. I see a case, maybe not Penelli, but. Bloom one eleven. If you're playing on the fourth line in the AHL, send him back to junior and let him get, let him have fifty points in the last half of the season. Yeah, that's kind of that same conversation. Yeah, yeah, kind of that same conversation we had with Grushnikov and the Bulldogs about him really being what the seventh or eighth defenseman to start yeah. in the AHL. Um, yeah. Now he's not coming back. I think that's pretty obvious now. But yeah, no. it's that's it's that same conversation, like the the quantity over quality, and obviously. Obviously, you want guys playing quality hockey um, for quality teams with quality yeah. other players. Um, but I mean, the OHL has that, so that's not a concern. Yeah. Um, so you know, you know, the quality is going to be there. The quantity is definitely going to be there. Look at the teams and system, right? Kitchener yeah. with Pinelli, Kitchener and Pinelli and North Bay with Bloom. That's yeah. huge. I mean, Windsor would definitely trade Harrison's rights. Absolutely. And I believe, I believe Harrison's rights will get traded before the deadline similar to Delbel Blues. So I I truly believe that. Yeah. Yeah, no that that's definitely interesting to look out for cuz it's yeah, like you said what 6 7 weeks away. People got to make some decisions here, right? And maybe, you know, NHL teams are waiting for a point. Now obviously you can't wait too long. Um and teams don't really get eliminated eliminated from the playoffs in well, December, January. Um however, yeah. 
you see your farm team in a position where yeah, we're probably not making the playoffs. We're terrible right now. You're going to go back to junior where your team's going to be in the playoffs, probably play more than yeah. one or two rounds. Um, go enjoy it. I mean, uh, off season would be a little bit shorter, but again, you're playing playoff hockey. So who really cares? Um, yeah. And just, just go out and, and play your best, play against the best in junior hockey. And um, you know, it, it's worth the move, right? As, yeah. as much as you want to try and get them playing against men and, you know, getting that next step up to try and get that confidence to move to the NHL one day um, that, that can still happen in the Ontario hockey league. Um, whether, Absolutely. you know, like you said, you're an OA coming. Yeah. Okay. So hey. you're playing against teams with 16 year olds. Who cares? I want to make a deal. Like, I want to mention so, one player off that after. Yeah, go ahead. I have one, I have one player to mention off that. And, I mean, this is a big difference because he's just got the dog in him, Arbor Jacki. Arbor Jacki, he's got that it factor in him. And sort of these guys. But Arbor Jacki comes back out of COVID and goes right to the NHL. Comes out of COVID, plays the year with Kitchener and, Bran- and Hamilton slash Branford, then goes right to Montreal and comes right onto the scene. Wow. Um, those guys, that's rare to do. But that's there, right? So it's almost like you take a step backwards, take two steps forwards in a way. You, you know, you get back on the radar, especially that's a key with your team being good, right? You look at Kitchener, they get Penelope back. That'd be massive. But then yeah. they got OA, then they definitely have an OA decision to make. So probably not. But I mean, I'm just thinking, That'd I mean, be, you look at the points. Oh yeah, they got this, they got a lot of OAs, though. They got to make it, they'd have to make yeah. a decision then. But that to me means that when you got that opportunity, when the points are down, like that you're not if you're not playing top six minutes i mean it's desperately it's definitely going to be a talk um for that matter and yeah that'll be interesting and um i just want to mention this quickly and i know mm-hmm. i don't want to get too off topic but i want to mention this with the for uh any bulldog fans listening um that i know the bulldogs have had talks with uh adam yurichek their import pick which would be huge i mean thomas homera um tamash homera um from uh Czechia as well, right? Having that relationship. So if they could pull, I mean, that's a little bit of a recruitment thing right there with that trade. So I just want to mention that Hammer going to Brantford kind of is a little bit more behind the scenes because Hammer is probably a contestant, contestant to be one of the captains on that Czechia team at the World Juniors. And who else is going to be on that team? Adam Juracek, uh, the Bulldogs import pick. And I mean, the whole talks all along where the Bulldogs are getting him after the World Juniors. So there's definitely a lot of calls being made and your agent is in Toronto. So something to keep an eye out on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I got one more before we hit the break and welcome Nick on here. Um, suspension has been posted for Beckett Seneca, uh, three games suspension following the incident that happened uh, on Sunday, November 19th, a little bit of a spear, a little bit of a hack um, in behind the play. So he'll serve three games and be, Eligible to return on December 2nd. Um, of course, that was part of Oshawa's collapse against the Peterborough Peets, blowing a 5-0 lead and um, losing 6-5 in a game where they got outshot 45-19. Um, mind-boggling that Donovan McCoy is not a star, despite the OT winner and four points. Um, <laughs> but we had to have two generals on that list. So, yeah, good one. Yeah, good job, guys. Uh, all right, uh, let's hit the break. When we come back, Nick Caravaggio Jr., Pete's 101. That's what we're going to chat about next here on the OHL in 60 podcast. 
Welcome back to the OHL in 60 podcast. I'm Reese Maney along with Colin Ward. Time for the funnest segment of the show, segment number two. It's always nice to get a third voice uh, on the program. And well, this one is is really cool because we're going to be speaking about Pete's 101 um, with Nick Caravaggio Jr. Um, Nick, appreciate your time today. Uh, how are you? I'm doing great. How, uh, how are you guys doing? We're, we're good. We're good. Um, big day for you. Um, Pete's 101, the unofficial history uh, of the Peterborough Pete's. Um, everybody's excited. I think around the Ontario Hockey League, this is something that a lot of people are going to want to get their hands on. So um, maybe start off with, um, you know, where the idea came from um, to write this and, uh, you know, some some li- little bit of history behind uh, behind it. Yeah, so um, I've always been a big fan of the Pete's ever since I was a little kid. Um, we've been going to games for probably 32 years now. Uh, the, the, the first game I went to was 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 just just an incredible experience. Um, I was about uh, six years old and randomly one night my dad decided to take me to a, to a Pete's game and I'd, I'd never been to a game like that before and and uh, just as soon as we went into the, that that famous rink it was just love at first sight just everything about just the smells of everything the popcorn the ice uh, and then as soon as you get onto the ice itself it's um just the smell of everything and the fans cheering and all that stuff coming at you it was was just love at first sight for me and then we had such a great experience uh, that night, and then um, it, it was helpful that that the Pete's won six nothing that night. So I thought, oh wow, these guys are really good. And so, um, and then uh, it, it just became something. Um, uh, 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 so both my dad and I that we we could actually do together, and so we just made it more of a thing. We would go not every game, but we would go you know once every couple of weeks. And then uh, in the ninety five ninety six season, we went all the time, and we've never looked back. Right and then uh, as far as the book goes, um, I always wanted to write a book. It, it, it was just something that was, that, that that's, that's just been on my bucket list for a long time. And I just thought I could, I, I should just uh, give it a try. And uh, uh, they, they say one of the, one of the first things that you should do whenever you're writing about a book is write what you know and write what you love. And uh, uh, outside of feats, uh, this is what I'm really passionate about. I, I, I love hockey. I love history. And so this is what I wanted to write about. Yeah, absolutely. And um, how was how did this process come about? Um, where did you get the idea of Pete's 101? And a little bit more on the story itself um, and what we can expect when we read Pete's 101. Yeah, certainly. So um, I like to read a lot of history. Um, and uh, sometimes for fun, I like to read about, you know, about, uh, uh, you know, some of the famous teams in history, whether that be the Canadians, Leafs, Yankees, Patriots, that kind of stuff. And so there's a lot of books out there that really, you know, talk about all these, all these franchises, but uh, they really break it down into very simple chapters. And uh, so I thought that would be a pretty cool idea to try for the Pete's. It's something that hasn't really been done um, at, at this kind of level before. And um, I figured it, it would be interesting because the Pete's have been around for quite a long time. They're not quite the oldest team, but they're one of the oldest. They have a lot of history and a lot of famous people have come through here. And so I wanted to give it a try. And uh, there's a lot of stuff out there that hasn't really been talked about with this team. Um, and so I just, I just wanted to just explain to people in its most simplest form, um, how they got here, who were the people that were involved, uh, some of their successes, their failures, some of the, some of the things that they've had to deal with over the years. And I also talked with some of the main you know players, um, that, that have come through here and, and, and also how they came here because there's each player has, has their own story. And so I, I thought that was really interesting to, to talk about. 
Nice. And is there any stories you get to indulge in as well in this story that we can expect to hear a little bit behind the scenes about some of these guys? Uh, yeah, there's a few of them, I guess. There's 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 some that were, um, uh, excuse me. So there's most of the stories talk about how how certain players got here, but then there's 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 one where it, it, it talks about a really famous player that didn't end up going to the Beats. And so that, that, that was a pretty neat, neat, uh, neat thing to talk about, but, uh, no, just, just, just all kinds of really, really, really interesting stories. And, um, um, you'll, you'll have to read the book to find it. <laughs> yeah, no, can't wait. Can't wait. And this was also forwarded by someone very special with the Pete's organization as well. Are you allowed to share who it was? Yeah. Uh, Mr. Jeff Tui. He's, uh, he's been a very, been a very, very, uh, very good friend of mine and, uh, he he has been with the Pete's for, for a very long time, and so I think he knew pretty much the most about them because he has pretty he's he's been there at pretty much every level. You know, he started off as a as a scout, and he was a trainer, um, assistant coach, GM, and so he really knows pretty much everything there is to know about the whole world of of the Pete's. And so he was I thought he was a he was a great guy to actually talk to, and uh, and I thought he would be one of the best guys to actually write this forward. And so that that's why I that's why I picked him. Absolutely, that's right on. And um, how did what would you say the coolest part about the history of the Pete's? What's the best part about being a Pete's fan for yourself? Um, and what's the best part about the history of the Peterborough Pete's, in your opinion? I think that the best thing about being a Pete's fan is uh, just seeing how this whole town just comes alive whenever this team starts to get on a roll. I mean, um, uh, when you've been a season ticket holder, you've you've been there through all the all the years, the good years, the bad years, and. Uh, this this town's funny. I think you can say that about pretty much any team is that whenever they're not doing well, things are pretty stagnant. You know, people don't go to games a lot. But then when they start to win, you know, obviously like a little bit more people show up. But in, in Peterborough, it's a little different. You get people that are diehard fans that don't necessarily go to games all the time. But then when they start to win and when they start to get on a roll, it's it's incredible how much people just get behind this team. And it's, it's crazy. Just to give you a, a really good example, like we've been season ticket holders for years. And uh, whenever there, there are games where we can't go to, um, we, I, I'd always try to offer it to people. And people wouldn't, you still wouldn't even take free tickets. And then as, 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 uh, as, as kind of time goes on, especially last year with the playoffs, when they started doing well, those same people would start to come up to me and ask, hey, are those tickets still available? Can I use them? And I said, no, I'm, why do you need them now? now? Now that they're winning, now you want to come? And so, so that kind of escalated. And then once they got to the finals uh, against London, people started offering me like money for them. And then there have been stories in the news where people were buying tickets for almost $1,000. So that just goes to show you how, how desperate people are with this team whenever they, they, they do well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Is, mm-hmm. uh, is there, and I know this is more recent and they've gone on quite a few runs in their in their history, but um, you know, with the most recent run of the championship last year, coming in as the four seed, I mean, for you as as that diehard fan, was there one thing that, whether it came in the finals, whether it came in round one, late in the regular season, was there any sign to you that this team felt pretty special and that had a really really good shot to win it all? Um, yeah, I think you you start to notice it. Uh, more so on on the ice. This is just my thing that that I I, I picked up just as a fan. Uh, when when they made all those trades, in, I guess it was January. They they still weren't doing that well. They were they were kind of middle of the pack. They were losing, you know, more games than they probably should have. And uh, and you can tell just they they they, they weren't 
for clicking. And one, one thing that, that you, you kind of notice, or just that, that, that I noticed is that whenever certain guys would score, you know, there'd be a little light celebration and, you know, guys would stand up and, you know, they might fist bump here and there. But I think what really turned was when uh, they, they started to have some, you know, some uh, from what I've heard anyway, uh, is that, uh, that I think they had some, uh, some, some, some kind of, you know, kind of small meetings where they would say, okay, we have to get together and start to, to gel more. But then I think where you really saw that was after they would score, everybody would just get so excited about everybody's goal and everybody would just jump on the ice. And you can tell, like, they actually cared that their, that their guys scored. And as soon as you, you, you started noticing that, and then their play just escalated. And uh, it, it, it just kind of happened just before the playoffs. And then as soon as the playoffs set against Sudbury, they were a completely different team. And then you, you can tell that they they cared so much about each other, and and uh, you you could definitely see that on the ice too. Yeah, I, I mean, as someone that has admitted it, whether it be on here, whether it be on social media, that a fourth place Peterborough Pete's team, just the way they were playing down the stretch, I'm like, I don't know, is this a team that overbought, like bought too many guys? <laughs> yeah. I mean. You know, obviously they proved me wrong and kudos yeah. to them. Um, yeah. You know, that's what we're here for. My opinion was I was not on the Pete's bandwagon um, <laughs> at all. I was on a division rival, the Ottawa 67s. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I think that kind of tells you what you had just said right there is, you know, guys were just excited for each other. Um, yeah. And, you know, it wasn't as much as it is about winning because, of course, you want that ring. You want to get to the Memorial Cup. But um, just the fact that guys were that excited for each other in and in small moments and just in, you know, a goal to go up one nothing or tie the game one one. Right. It's just those those extra moments that that kind of make a team special. And you kind of outlined it right there about last year, um, you know, with, with any other year, whether it be from you going to games, um, you know, writing the book, the the history of the Pete's here. Um, what is something that. Uh, whether you learned it or already knew it, but um, what was your favorite part from the history of the Pete's that you would say, um, you know, maybe connects to you personally or just, um, you know, something that you thought was really, really interesting? Yeah, I was like, one, one thing that, that, that I, I thought was interesting was that um, just how, how this team has managed to, to, to survive all these years. I mean, uh, when you look at a lot of teams throughout this league and its history, you know, they, 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 they were around for 10 to 15 years. Some of them were pretty successful. You know, they might've won a world cup. They might've won a championship or two. And then after that, they were gone. They, they, they ran out of money or they, or they moved or whatnot. And so there was a lot of that. And so um, when you think of Peterborough, right, we have a completely, completely different like ownership structure. We're not owned by, by one single owner. We're owned basically by, by five by by five people that uh, that uh, they 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 do not take any money from the team. Any money that they make goes right back into the team, and that's not much. And so you you have to think that that uh, such a small market how how they managed to, to to survive all these years. And there there were times where they almost folded. And so I thought that was interesting to really kind of explore that and and to really find out how they kept going. And so there there was. A lot of reasoning for that. Uh, mostly, they had very smart people that kind of kept things going, and they kind of changed their, you know, they kind of changed their ways as to how they how they did things. And uh, that's one of the reasons why they're still here. It's just they they they've just had really smart people that have that have really kind of helped them stay here. And uh, I thought that was really cool. And so I I really wanted to to really kind of talk about that as much as I could. Obviously, I I didn't get all the information, but I got I think enough so that so the people should should get a pretty good idea. 
Right on. Yeah, that's special when you can get that contribution as well when you're in this writing process. Um, I'm sure that's going to be tough. Um, where can we buy, uh, where can we purchase Pete's 101 and um, for how much? Uh, so it's through Amazon. Uh, that's that's uh, where, where most people can get it that, that don't live in Peterborough. Um, yeah. Okay, perfect. $25, that's, uh, uh, that's uh, what it goes for. Perfect. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah, I know for sure I'll be looking into purchasing that. That's a great book. And it's always nice to read about the Ontario Hockey League history. Yeah. Um, my last question for you is it's kind of a question. I mean, I'm not a writer, so it'll be interesting to know from a writer's perspective. How how long was this process, this writing process, and what's that sense of reward now that it's coming together today? Um, it'll be published and be released to the public. Yeah, certainly. So it it took about uh, three and a half years. So I started right before, you know, we had all this, all this craziness in the world. Um, and so, uh, that, that's kind of where, where I got the idea. And I, I, I started to interview people. I, uh, I really wanted to talk to someone from, from pretty much every decade, you know, so, so from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, I'll, I'll get to say just to get a different feel of each, each era. And, uh, so that, that takes time. And then, um, um, as you're writing, you know, you're always changing, you know, all these chapters and whatnot. And so, uh, because the more, more I talk to people, the more great stories I heard. And then, so the book just kind of evolved into what it is today. I mean, originally it was just supposed to be just, you know, just a book about some stats and figures and some, you know, just some facts here and there, but then that kind of changed as, as I started to talk to more and more people and I heard just great story after great story. And then that just, just kind of came into the book we have today. And so, uh, yeah, so it took about three and a half years uh, from, you know, from start to finish. The last year and a half was just a lot of kind of going back and forth between, you know, me and my editors and changing this, changing that, going back and forth. So that, that's the part that takes the most time. But um, but the, uh, the the whole finished product is really what it's all about. It's, I'm, I'm just happy that, that, that there's something like this out there so that any type of fan, whether that be hockey fan, Pete's fan, junior fan can, can read about and, and, and really get a good idea as to what this team's all about. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. That's, that, that's really cool. And I can't wait to purchase this on Amazon. Um, yeah. Cause it's, it's, you know, like you said, it's one of the most historic franchises in, in the Canadian hockey league. So, um, you know, I got a couple more for you here, Nick. Um sure. One of them is with the amount of years that you've been going to games, um, who's the one player, A, whether, whether it was your favorite player or, you know, maybe you had an interaction with that that person, but who is one guy that stood out to you throughout all these years that, you know, um, kind of maybe you learned something, like I said, or maybe it was just your favorite player? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Uh, there's There's been a lot of players. Uh, I have to think of this. Um uh Cameron Mann, I think, would, would be the guy that would come to my head. I mean, mm-hmm. um why why it's so special? Because I think uh, the, the first year we started going to, to more and more games, that that was that was him in, in his heyday. Like I think that was the most successful year he's ever had. Uh he, he just had such an incredible year. And then uh from, from where he came from, he was, you know, he was a he was a decent player like for the for the two years prior, but that year he just turned into Superman, basically. I mean, he, he was just dynamite. I mean, he was, he was their main guy. And then he, he kind of, uh, one, one thing that I, I kind of remember anyway, is that he had a different role. I mean, he, they, they would use him, uh, you know, of course, you know, they, they would use him, you know, 20, 25 minutes a game, but, uh, he'd be on special teams a lot. He'd be on the power play. Uh, they would, uh, 
they they would get him to kill penalties a lot. And then I think that's where he really kind of got got really popular is because they've used him on the PK and he got so many shorthanded goals. And so to the point where they said, oh, let, let's get another penalties. Maybe Cameron <laughs> is going to go for us. And so there was that joke that was happening a lot. And so he had just, just such an incredible year. And then he was a big part of uh, that, that team going all the way to the Memorial Cup final. Yeah, 95, 96, he had 102 points in 66 games, which is incredible. Um, yeah. Most definitely draws you to it there in the Superman. <laughs> yeah, and the, sure. I mean, yeah. plus a year after, right, 51 games, 83 points isn't no slouch either. That's a down year after 103 <laughs> points. When that's a down year, that's an impressive yeah. stat. Yeah, um, no, and it's, it's, it's really cool because he's he actually lives here in, in town now, and so it's, oh, it's, nice. it's still pretty fun to see him around and, you know, uh, it's it's funny because even though we're both adults now, whenever I see him around, I still have that that, that kind of twelve year old kid in me that kind of gets a little nervous around him and whatnot. <laughs> even though we're we're both working adults now, so it is it is still pretty funny. Yeah, no, that's cool. Um, and and one other person I wanted to make sure. Um, you had mentioned him off the top. Um, of course, uh, that being Nick Senior, your father. I'm um, taking you to your first game. Just talk about him and you know what he meant, not only to get you introduced to the Peterborough Peets, but also kind of the contributions that um, he might've had on this, on this book for you. Yeah. I mean, he is, he's, he's the main reason why um, uh, we, I, I was introduced to the Peets. I mean, um, uh, he, uh, he was never a big hockey guy, but, but he loved the Peets. He loved watching hockey and, uh, and, you know, and then I also have to thank the Pete's for this is, is, is because they are the reason why we had such a nice bond is, is, is because this, this, this kind of gave us something to do together. My, my dad was a very busy man. Uh, when, when I was younger, he worked till like eight 30 most nights. That's when we had dinner. And so, uh, he, he kind of made it a point as to saying, okay, every Thursday we're, we're gonna, we're gonna go to a game. And so this, this kind of became our time. And so, um, that, that was, that was very special to me. And then, uh, and, and so we had, we had so many great memories. And so my, my kind of hope with this, and this is kind of what I say at the end of the book is that hopefully that, that there's people out there that, that can maybe take their son or daughter to this game. And hopefully that, that they have the same experiences that I had. Absolutely. Yeah, no, and that, that, that's a perfect way to end it, Nick. Um, you know, if you don't live in the Peterborough area, as you heard him say, it's available on Amazon and you better purchase it because it is out now. So make sure you get get yourself a copy. Uh, Nick, we appreciate the time today. Thanks so much. Thanks very much for having me, guys. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's yeah. Nick Caravaggio Jr., the author of Pete's 101, the unofficial history of the Peterborough Pete's. It's on Amazon. Go and purchase it. Make sure you do. Um, when we come back, busy weekend ahead in the Ontario Hockey League. We will look ahead to it next here on the OHL in 60 podcast. <laughs> Welcome back to the OHL in 60 podcast. I'm Reese Demaney along with Colin Ward. Thanks again to Nick Caravaggio Jr. for joining us on the program. If you haven't gotten your copy yet, and I know that's very, very early. It only came out at 7 o'clock on November 21st. However, get it on Amazon. 25 bucks it'll cost you. Uh, it's going to be well worth it. A lot, uh, a lot of history for the Peterborough Peets, including their most recent 2023 OHL championship there's also a cool article in the peterborough examiner uh if you just google pete's 101 that'll be one of the top uh top suggestions or top links i can say so um that was cool thanks to nick um then we have 
Well, some breaking news, because it's Monday when we record, uh, Tuesday releasing, so everybody will have seen this by now, uh, I would think. Um, another coaching change in the Ontario Hockey League. I, I'd say shocker, but it's kind of something that you were coming to expect right now. So um, the Windsor Spitfires have relieved Jared Smith of his duties as head coach, and that was effective immediately on Monday evening. Um was not the coach for very long, was promoted in the summer of this year um, after Mark Savard had moved on to the National Hockey League. And, uh, yeah, on a, as we record, there hasn't been an announcement on a replacement that I have seen. I will continue yeah. to refresh yeah. the Windsor Spitfires website. Um, maybe we'll get there um, before we're done recording. However, um, no replacement announced as of the time that we are currently talking, but um, definitely something to look out for. And I mean, it's been yeah. l- less than ideal start for the Windsor Spitfires. So I, I don't want to say we saw this coming because we knew they weren't going to be great. Um, currently sitting with four wins, nine points so far in 21 games compared to what they were two years ago or the last two years, it's definitely a huge step down, but um, definitely a bad start when you look at the amount of goals allowed. Um, that has that has not been very good. Um, and just, just a quick note for everybody on Twitter that's um, saying the GM's next. The GM gave you two good years of finishing first in the Western Conference. Yeah. Um, so no, I no, not time to fire the GM. This is not on him. You should have expected a year that wasn't good. So um, that's just the cycle of junior hockey and Man. it is, it is what it is, but Jared Smith, no longer the head coach of the uh, Windsor Spitfires. Strange, strange, strange year. Five coaches now out of 20 teams have moved on from their coach. Uh, just a strange year. Um, yeah. Interesting. I mean, it's too bad. You got to feel for Jared in this situation, right? He's been there for a long time in winter. Um, he's put the time in behind Mark Savard. Um, he was a crucial part of those runs, especially the final run um, yep. that they had in the OHL finals. Um, he's a big part about that. You, all, you always heard Mark Savard in the post game once the media uh, became public more often. And once this conference final start into the then into the finals, you always heard Mark Savard talk about Jared Smith, right? You heard those quotes um, about Jared Smith. Uh, it's just a tough move, right? It's a tough move. You had to do it, but um. Yeah, it's unfortunate, but yeah, when you can't get the puck out of your net and eventually it's got to fall on somebody and you can't trade the whole roster. Um, so you knew it was going to happen. They've lost eight games in a row. Um, yeah, and it's a tough move. Most definitely. It's a tough move on both sides, general manager and um, for the head coach, obviously. But um, most definitely, I think that Windsor will bounce back. I mean, they're such a good ran organization. Um, this team won't have too many bad years like this too often. So yeah. Um, you just got to think about the good memories for the or the bad memories there. But um, five coaches so far, very strange. Um, five out of 20 coaches have been fired from the start of the year. Didn't have that on the bingo card. That's something that we'll all, when we look back at the end of the season here, there could be six, seven coaches moved on from when you think about it. When you think about like what's going on right now around the league, when you think about the teams that are also struggling, there could be moves coming elsewhere as well um, before this one's all done. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see how this one goes down here as the well, season ends. Well, I, I think if you market calendar year, like 
360, or is it a leap year this year? Is it Niagara's year got three of them. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, I think is it a leap year? I can't remember. Um, but anyways, I think I think we could calculate it from the start of the season, add 365 or 366 days and see where we're at. Cause um, I mean, 15 teams who haven't fired a coach yet. Who knows, depending on where someone ends up um, in the standings, that could be an offseason move. So that'd yeah. be interesting to track it by calendar year. But uh, yeah, Jared Smith, the latest victim um, being shown the door in the Ontario Hockey League. Um, didn't get it. Didn't get to it before we before we chatted with Nick. But uh, one game that stood out to us from this past weekend, Colin Ward, you have the floor first. All right, yeah, some games have caught up. Obviously, we're going to talk about Sunday's game. We already talked about that. So I'm going to say the following Sunday game, North Bay and Sudbury. It was so similar. No one talked about that game in Sudbury, between Sudbury and North Bay. Um, Sudbury on a losing skid as well. Um, Everyone was talking about the Oshawa game, but oh my. 7-6, no defense. North Bay comes out on front. Um, The reason why I want to talk about this game is it's so crucial for the state for how the league's going and for how those teams are going. I mean, North Bay is starting to trend up. Sudbury's starting to trend down. I mean, yeah. drop five in a row. Um, yeah, five losses in a row now, Sudbury. Um, not clicking right now, but I just want to mention that's a game that really stood out to me from the weekend. 7-6 um, North Bay wins. Um, just an interesting game. I mean, it's Sudbury. I mean, it wasn't really in the will to, def- to play defense. And um, North Bay... I mean, you just win the shootout, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. Two teams that coaches won't like it, but it's a big win for North Bay and a bad loss for Sudbury at the end of the day. Yeah, it's those divisional matchups early on that you're really, like, kicking yourselves late in the year. Oh, like, oh those one-goal games, man. We couldn't close it out at the beginning of the year, and now we're in the position at the end um, exactly. because of it. Yeah, And like I said, it just adds well, to it that it's a division rival. And it's a game, right? It's a game where North Bay comes in trending up. They had to have that game after dropping the Peterborough game in overtime. North Bay had to have that game. They had to get back in the win column. And Sudbury desperately had to win that, losing four in a row. Um, The teams they possibly should have beaten. Um, So that's why, in my opinion, that's a game that really made it interesting. And that power play for Sudbury, I mean, for all the guys they have, 8.1%. They're the only team in single digits in the Eastern Conference and the OHL in general on the power play percentage. Um, That has to be a lot better. Uh, for Sudbury, especially with the talent they have. So that's a very that's a crucial loss for them. And uh, that's a team that needs to have a big weekend this weekend, the Sudbury Wolves. Yeah. Yeah, and you think of North Bay also defeating the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds in the same weekend. So, you know, like you said, they're on they're trending up. So um, big yeah. weekend for them. For me, I mean, I'm, I'm going to the London Knights. And not necessarily one game, but you fall 7-4 on home ice to Flint on the 17th. And then the 18th, you fall in Erie, four to two. Yeah, man. Um, those are two games that I, I, I think it's fair to say that um, you should expect London to win. Um, especially now we're speaking, um, albeit on Monday, show released on Tuesday. Um, London Knights being a third place team, Flint Firebirds seven, Erie Otters eight. So that's fair to say London should win those games going in. Um, but that just shows you the work ethic of the Flint Firebirds and Erie Otters. When, when London comes to town, they really um, give it their all for 60 minutes. But um, you just think of those two losses for the Knights, and they're still at 27 points. They're in third place. They're, they'll be okay. Um, but I just thought that was interesting that those are, those are big wins for clubs like Flint and Erie who 
you know, maybe not the strongest teams, but Erie's looking to get back to the playoffs. Um, Flint is looking, I mean, it's tough to really be relevant in the state of Michigan when the Memorial cup is going to your I 75 division rival. Um, but at the same time, they still got something to show. Saginaw's not the only team in Michigan. So I think that's big for Flint to beat the Kitchener, Sioux and London's and especially Saginaw if you're a Flint fan, um, to, to pick up those victories. So I looked at those two games, not only as, oh, London probably should have had those, but also as big wins for the Firebirds and Otters. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's a huge win for Erie. Huge win for Flint. Flint desperately needed the win, especially that's a tough building to win in, right? Going to London like that on Friday night and get a win. Um, that's tough. And they were tested late in the third period. I mean, London had a couple goals. Um, but Flint controlled that game. Um, Flint, you could say, dominated that game at times. Um, London hasn't looked great. Um, Flint looked really good in that game, so tip your cap to them. But uh, London hasn't looked great. And, I mean, Erie needed that win. Erie's yeah. got to stay above water, right? You got, they got to stay above water. They're an interesting team to watch. They're 6-2-2 two, and two in their last 10. Um, they've been, honestly, they've been, they flipped the switch. Uh, their power play is 26.7%. That is fourth in the Western Conference. So you look at their numbers. I mean, they're not terrible. Um, penalty kills got to be better. They got to keep pucks out of their net. They're a minus eleven team goal differential. But that's the thing, right? They're gonna. It's kind of opposite. We talked about this about two, three weeks back about Erie, right? Where we said it's weird to see a Stan Butler team be a shootout team. You know, you can yeah. win the seven six games, you can win the six five games, but can they win the two one games? It's kind of interesting, right? When you have a good goaltender in Ben Godro and uh, you have a defensive minded head coach, it's kind of odd when you see that team and you can say, oh well, this is interesting. It's such high scoring games, but great atmosphere in Erie as well on Saturday. That's always against London. Um, you saw the sweet Caroline going and stuff <laughs> late. That was quite the tweet. The Otters tweeted that out, and it was loud. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's a big win for Erie. And now they're 2-0 this year against London, so they've had London's number this year. Um, and uh, that's most definitely a big win for the Erie Otters, say three points above the play- well, above that last playoff spot in the eighth seed right now yeah. in, the, in the West. Well, I thought it was I thought it was really interesting. I like the bobblehead they gave away as well. On uh, yeah, smart on the weekend, so that was that was pretty cool. I think more teams should do that. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I mean, and it's it's wild to think because this is kind of an overall thought from the weekend. Um, is that we are currently looking at an Ontario Hockey League that has what are we looking at here? Only five teams under five hundred. You yeah. really think about that? That's a win. Um, and yeah. it's it's wild to think that a seventh place Kingston Frontenacs team is under 500 and the eighth place Barry Colts are over 500. Now Colts yeah. have played two less games. So that's the main reason why, but um, I, that's a win for the league in my opinion um, to have 15 out of the 20 teams either at or above 500 is, is pretty sweet. And we're talking Windsor, Sarnia, Niagara, Oshawa, and Kingston being those five teams uh, under 500 and it's it's a wild stat looking at Sarnia and Windsor two teams who can't buy a win right now a combined yeah. 13 game losing streak between the two clubs they've only won three games in their last 20 combined um, so tough times at the bottom of the Western Conference right now but I'd say a huge win for the Ontario Hockey League to have 15 out of 20 teams over 500 or even with 500. 100%, 100%. And the quality of play has been there. Um, I agree. It's been even. It's been, yeah. even. Um, it's been good. Um, Yeah, most definitely. I mean, Sarnia is struggling, right? Uh, fine wins. But I watched that Barry game on uh, Saturday against Guelph in the shootout. Yeah. What a what a thrilling game that was. Um, That might be the best game of the week Um, that happened. Uh, 
Shout out to show guest Bo Jelsma. Um, he's been on an absolute heat. You, uh, um, you see that photo between him and GB in Niagara? Enjoyed yeah. that one. That was yeah. Good. I had to tweet that for sure. Um, yeah. they um, yeah, most definitely. But that was um, him scoring late there in regulation, forced it to overtime, getting the shootout. Um, yeah, it's nice to see Bo start to have success. I mean, he's a heck of a player. Um, great IQ level, great compete level, you know. And, I mean, he had a good interview after the game about how all that matters is winning to him. Um, and that's so true. If anyone that knows Bo Gelsman knows that winning's everything to him. And uh, that's pretty cool to see that uh, him have a success. I mean, he's had an absolute heater as well um, the last 10 games. So that's nice to see him uh, pick things up. And uh, hopefully he gets a big uh, – he's on the radar now because, I mean, he's definitely a guy that – teams at the next level of professional hockey you need to take a look at um because you're getting a great person you're getting a great compete um a great compete level type player and um yeah just a high motor uh great player uh one thing quickly before we get to the power rankings here i wanted to mention the erie otters third annual sock toss we talk about uh the teddy bear toss games right now which have been completed in sault ste marie and niagara um erie otters third annual sock toss 4200 pairs of socks uh, for the community shelter services. So just give a shout out to um, not only the otters for putting this on for the third straight year, but um, you know, the community of Erie, Pennsylvania for, for coming out and supporting this cause. So congrats to them. And um, that's a pretty high number of socks. So um, that that's one thing I wanted to mention here before we got to the, to the power rankings. Um, 100%. So let's, uh, the socks and hat giveaways are nice to have. Um, yeah. those are those are just as big as a teddy bear toss. Those things are great. Absolutely, great cost. Okay, the power rankings, Colin. Um, a lot of teams moving around. That's for sure. Really big difference. Oh, two teams. Yeah, big difference. Yeah, but two teams staying put, not moving at all. Um, couple teams moving up. A lot of teams moving down. Um, yeah. So, so let's get to it here. Number 16, Kingston Frontenacs. They moved down one spot uh, to the final spot in the power rankings. Brantford Bulldogs from being not ranked to number 15, technically up two spots, you could say. Um, Barry Colts are one of the teams that don't move. They're at 14. Erie Otters at 13. They're down one spot. Flint Firebirds move down one spot as well. They're at number 12. Owen Sound Attack up two spots to number 11. Guelph Storm minus two to number 10. Jeez, I feel like I'm doing the weekend countdown on Sirius XM Hits One right now. Spider Harrison on the <laughs> weekend does the countdown. I feel like that guy right now, naming all of these, all of these power rankings. Um, Sudbury Wolves, they move down five spots to the number nine spot. Uh, London Knights down as well, three spots to number eight. Sue Greyhounds don't move. They're at number seven, which, okay. Um, Mississauga Steelheads down three spots to number six. Ottawa 67s down three spots to number five. Saginaw Spirit move up five spots. And, well, you've won seven in a row. I think you've kind of earned that. Uh, they're at number four. North Bay Battalion up three to number three. Peterborough Pete's up eight. Which, again, they're first yeah. in the East. Yeah, I can understand that. They're number two. And the Kitchener Rangers don't move at all. So I guess three teams don't move. Uh, Kitchener Rangers still in that number one spot, which we absolutely agree with. Um, Colin, we're not going to really give our bottom four because I think that's pretty obvious yeah. right now who are those bottom four um, yeah. as they are not in the OHL power rankings. So they're not in ours either. 
Um, but but who? Let's start with number five for you, Colin. Who you got in the in your power rankings? Five. I mean, winners of seven in a row. I think I got to go with Saginaw. I think I got to give credit when credit is due. Um, they've won seven games in a row. They've played well. Um, their goal differentials in the plus now, not the negatives. Um, things are trending up. Twenty-eight point eight power play percentage, eighty-eight point six penalty kill percentage. Um, number one and number one, I believe. Um, yes, number one and number one in the league. Um, complete hockey right now. Uh, and the record speaks for itself. So. I have to go with um, the second spirit five. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I what? I was close on them because of their seven and zero. I was really um, on them to be number five. They're actually one spot ahead, and I'll get to that in a second. Um, but in the number five spot for me is the uh, is the North Bay Battalion. Two zero and one is the current streak they're on. So points in three straight. Um, they are currently the leaders in the central division, passing the Mississauga Steelheads, who slip out of my top five. Um, but the North Bay Battalion right now, I like the weekend they had. I like the little run that they're on. They, you know, five, two, and three in their last ten. So that's points in eight of their last ten. Um, penalty kill is really good at eighty-three point three. Uh, North Bay Battalion number five for me. Absolutely. Um, four for me, North Bay Battalion. It's like we just flip flop on here. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah. Yeah. North Bay. I mean, good penalty kill. Power play's got to be out there. Um, 10, 10, 6, 4, and 1 record, 25 points. Um, North Bay. I mean, I just like the way they're playing right now. Um, them and Saginaw are very close. You could also, I could honestly say a tie for fourth, but, um, I like the way North Bay looks right now. And, um, be interested if they can keep this going. Um, but they're definitely a team to keep an eye on and to, uh, pay attention to. Yeah, second on spirit, like I said, they're four for me. Um, power play and penalty kill is really what puts them ahead of North Bay for me. Um, and the fact they've won seven in a row, that kind of helps. Um, it'll be interesting to see what comes of the incident in Niagara, that that little bit of a line brawl that happened, who sits. And for sure it'll be Hache because of the match penalty. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if Willis gets gets any games as well as he was ejected also. But uh, second sure they spirit, one. Yeah, yeah. Saginaw Spirit playing really good hockey right now. They're going to head into a an I-75 divisional matchup in Flint on Wednesday. Should be a fun atmosphere um, in Flint, Michigan. So Saginaw Spirit are the number four team for me. Yeah, three for me. I got to go with the Sioux St. Marie Greyhounds. Um, Sioux, I mean, the high-flying offense is still continuing. Um, Great goal differential. Uh, six, three, and one in their last ten. And they just continue to Show people wrong. They almost remind me of the Vegas Golden Knights in their first year where people write them off, and it's like, well, here we go. Like, yeah. we know what we are, and, I mean, it's funny. It's so similar to Kitchener and Peterborough as well. Yeah, yeah Sue's three for me also, and I think our top three will probably be very similar here, Colin. Yeah. Um, Sue Greyhounds, number three for me. I was still, I'm still big on they should have got the Memorial Cup. Not to take anything away from Saginaw. I think it's going to be a great event in Saginaw, Michigan. Um, but I still thought Sue St. Marie would have made one heck of a host uh for this tournament and they're kind of showing that you know like you said oh yeah you're gonna write us off okay we're gonna we're gonna be number one in our division um and they're currently leading the Saginaw Spirit by four points I expect that to get a little bit tighter the way Saginaw is playing um however that should be a really fun battle to the end um in the west division between Sioux and Saginaw so Sioux Greyhounds number three for me uh Colin Ward who you got at number two yeah number two for me is Peterborough Pete's um 
Four wins in a row, big two big overtime wins, and I mean gutsy effort on the comeback on Sunday, obviously. Um, but yeah, to me too, plain and simple, Peterborough. Yeah, yeah, same for me. Um, that was beautiful six five comeback win. Um, hashtag McCoy was a star. Um, that was kind of a joke, as <laughs> I've already mentioned. Um. But, yeah, I mean, that just kind of shows you what kind of team they are. And, I mean, as much as we talked about last year, Colin, about the Bulldogs, like, what the heck do they do? They're kind of in the middle where if they add one or two, they could be really good. Or the obvious, they sell and move to the future, which they ended up doing. Peterborough's ahead of that. Um, Yeah. What do they do? They've only lost three in regulation. I think they are. I think think the Peets are. I, I honestly, uh, here's the, so do you, and the, not that this is a leading factor to have Peterborough ahead of what Brantford was or Hamilton was last year. Um, but the Brantford Bulldogs slash Hamilton Bulldogs don't come back down five, nothing. Now no. I, I think there is still that opportunity for the right price. Owen Beck is not a Peterborough Pete to finish the season. Um, I am still a firm believer in that. However, I would say the Peets are ahead of where the Bulldogs were last year. Oh, of one thousand percent. So that yeah. that and that's that's I think what makes the di- decision a little bit more difficult for Mike Oak over Matt Turek last year. Oh, um, like they're I I I can't believe they're playing at I don't want to say a championship pace because we're a long ways from that. But you've only lost three games in regulation. Um, that's that's pretty impressive as we approach the. Well, I believe it'll be the second last or last weekend in uh, in November. Um, but yeah, they they're my number two team this week. Yeah, one thousand percent. But here's why I don't think the Pete's do anything. They have no second round pick this year, no third round pick, no fourth round pick. Next year they have no second round pick. They have two yeah. thirds. Twenty twenty six, they have no seconds, no thirds, no fours. I don't think they have a price to pay. Which, I don't think they can get anything. And the seconds will come from Owen back. That's for sure. Yeah, and there's a the thing. What do you want to do? Do you want to? I think the truth of the matter is, I think they will ride this out as long as they can. Yeah, and then come um, six weeks from now, there's a lot of hockey. Um, yep. that's a lot of hockey from now to the deadline. There's a lot that'll happen. Um, there's a lot that'll go down. Um, World Juniors. How do they do without Owen back? Um, mm-hmm. that'll be a big one. But uh, to me, with Peterborough, I mean, I think they're still a ways away. I don't even think I. Yes, that's there. That side is there right now. That's definitely in their brains. I mean, they traded Lockhart. Um, they've made a little bit of trades. They traded Michael Simpson. Um, yeah, that's there. But the problem is, if they don't, sell, if they ride this out and they don't sell, their future, their <laughs> so, future is very bleak. So I have a pretty good comparison for that, Wardy. Um, if they don't sell, they will be the Los Angeles Angels for not trading Shohei Otani. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely. what I think it would be. So, yeah. I yeah, I'm like I'm definitely in agreement. I'm not saying Pete's are going all in, um, but they're definitely making right the case out. not to, uh, yeah, or, or to go for it. I mean, but um, as I said, I'm still a firm believer. Owen Beck's not a Pete before the season's over. So, oh, absolutely. If the right offer comes available, one thousand percent. I mean, there's teams, um, there's teams that desperately need a guy like Owen Beck, and I think there'll be a team that overpays for Owen Beck. But if I'm the Peterborough Pete's, I'm not doing anything unless I get a massive deal. Yeah. Um, so I'm, similar to what I got, if I'm I'm not trading on back unless I get what I got for Brandon Hoffman. Um, that's the only way where yeah. you get a player back, you get a guy like Guriev coming to Peter, like how Peterborough sent Guriev to Flint, 
plus the picks, you get multiple assets coming back and uh, going there, which is huge. Um, if you can get a couple of players back, similar like Kevin Gavin White, Avery Hayes type of moves, when we're Sahil yep. Pam, where Nick Lardis go back to Branford slash Hamilton, similar to that. That's the only way I am selling. If I can get good, young, talented O5s, that's the only way I'm selling a guy like Owen Beck or anyone on my roster yeah. because uh, I'm not, I don't have the picks to move anywhere. I don't have the picks to get anybody in a bidding war. I don't. I only have two set. I only have two thirds. That's the highest draft picks we have is two thirds for the 2025 draft. That is all we have for the next yep. three seasons in the first four rounds. That's not going to get you much. That's not going to get you anything. Um, so I don't think they really go all in. I think the conservatives sell. They ride this out. And I think if you're going to get a guy like Owen back, let's say you trade him to a team on London, you're probably looking at one of those young 16-year-olds on London. Uh, problem is London, London last year trading Luca Testa, um, trading those guys that they traded. I don't think they're going to trade uh, – Versus Savage. I don't think they trade a guy like that. But no. William Moore and William Moore being a US national development program commit. I don't think you can trade him to Peterborough. So I don't know what London makes sense in a trade like that. I know I always hear oh London, 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 but London doesn't have a player to give up. And that's the thing. If I'm Peterborough, I'm trading a guy like going back. I want the player in the picks. Or why would I trade him? So that's the one thing to me about the Peterborough Peets. I don't think they're aggressive sellers right now. I think they ride this thing out, and I think that Honestly, if something comes available, then they will do it. But it has to be a big deal. It has to be a good return back or why do it? Yeah. And there's your full breakdown of the number two team in our power rankings. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Number one, I think we both have the Kitchener Rangers. That's a pretty obvious pick. Colin Ward, tell us why. I mean, just the best team right now in the OHL. Um, Good enough reason. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, honestly, like there's no team better than them right now. I mean, and yeah, oh, we played, they played Windsor, they played Windsor, they played Windsor. So an OHL team, they still took care of business. They scored a lot of goals. They played well on the weekend. Um, sometimes you can sleepwalk through those games. I thought at home they looked really good on Friday. Um, I think that Kitchener right now looks really good. And I think that that's a team that could possibly move up in the rankings and, uh, throughout the year and continue to be the best team in the league um, going into the next half. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like you said, all you can say, Oh, Windsor, Windsor still takes a lot to put up 15 goals in two games. Uh, so um, yeah, Kitchener Rangers. I mean, they're, they're on a tear seven and oh, and you know, that's the streak they're on right now. Eight and two in the last 10 power play percentage is nearing 30 PK is over 85. Um they're the best team in the league right now. And we were talking about the Mississauga Steelheads being the best team in the league well, only two, three weeks ago. Um, and now Kitchener, they have eight points more than Mississauga right now. So that kind of tells you uh, Mississauga has kind of slowed down a bit, but Kitchener is still excelling at 16 and five. So um, yeah, there's our power rankings for this week. And that's the show for this week as well. Um, Again, huge thank you to Nick Caravaggio Jr. for joining us on the show. He is the author of Pete's 101, the unofficial history of the Peterborough Pete's. The book is out. Go buy it. $25 on Amazon. It is going to be one heck of a story that is told by Nick, told by everybody who he talked to um, to help write this book. So, it, it's worth the $25 if you are a huge OHL fan. Um, it's it's going to be really exciting. Plus, they're the most recent Ontario Hockey League champion. So, makes even more sense. 
Um, for everybody out there, appreciate as always tuning in. Another big weekend coming up in the Ontario Hockey League, as well as teddy bear season fully underway. If you have plans or don't have plans, actually, to go to a teddy bear game, I would make some plans, buy some tickets, because that, as much as you may not like the delay, it is a fun event to be a part of, fun, you know, be able to throw a teddy bear on the ice goes towards a good cause. So um, make some plans to to get to a teddy bear game somewhere. Two are already done, Niagara, Sault Ste. Marie. So those fan bases are out of luck. But um, if any of their teams are on the road for one, then that might be worth the trip. So um, everybody enjoy the upcoming weekend. Thanks again for tuning in. And we will chat again in seven days.